On Friday, nearly a month after winning a third mandate, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced when the government would be getting back to work. The PM said he would name a new cabinet before the end of October and that Parliament would resume in late November. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. On Thursday, I sat down with National Post political reporter Brian Platt to discuss some of the big priorities for this new minority government, what we can expect on the COVID-19 file, and how a vaccine mandate for MPs could spark controversy among the opposition conservatives. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Brian, the election was about four weeks ago, and, you know, we, we still don't have a good sense of when uh, politicians may be going back to work. Do we know when the prime minister will announce his next cabinet, when parliament may resume? That's a good question. And uh, it's a little strange that we don't know that yet, given how long it's been since the election. As we record this, we do not have a date for a new cabinet being sworn in or when parliament may be recalled. I expect that we'll see parliament sometime in November. But as for a firm date on that, it's anybody's guess. We do know that the governor general is out of the country next week. She's going to Europe. And so you need the governor general here to swear in a cabinet. So we are probably at least a week or so away from seeing a new cabinet get sworn in. I would expect by this point, they have a good idea of what that cabinet's going to look like. So I don't really know what the holdup is other than maybe they just need a little bit of time before. I mean, we're heading back into a minority parliament and the last minority parliament became quite contentious, tons of procedural fighting and filibusters. So, you know, maybe the liberals are not keen to get back to that right away. On the other hand, they've got a lot of stuff they want to do. So Mm -hmm. they can't get going on that until parliament comes back. I do want to touch on that. You know, the idea that Justin Trudeau, when he announced the campaign, he talked about, you know, what does the next 17 months or 17 years look like for Canada? I assume that he's got a potentially ambitious slate of legislation to conquer in the first 100 or 200 days. What's the main focus going to be for the Liberals when politicians return to the House of Commons? You know, there's a number of things that they have promised and promised to do quickly. I would expect that the top priority is going to be pandemic-related measures. Mm -hmm. And chief among that, I mean, so there's the pandemic support measures, and I'm not sure if they need legislation around any of that. But if they're going to extend it or not, these are decisions that the government's going to have to figure out in terms of how long they keep some of these support measures in place. And it's still, I think, unclear across the country how you know COVID-19 is going to go over the winter. They have promised, though, vaccine mandates, for example, for the federal public service, for planes and trains. It's not totally clear, again, to me how much of this needs an actual bill. But the government does need to get to work and get Parliament up and running to do a lot of its promises. And so I think you'll see COVID-19 measures at the top of the agenda. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they'll kind of go from there on a, some of the new things that they promised during the election and some of the old business that didn't get passed from the last Parliament. Now, one of the most contentious bits of legislation that we saw from the government during the last session of Parliament was their internet regulation and trying to police hate speech and trying to deal with harmful content online. Will we see more from them on that file? 
Yeah, and the internet regulation measures, and so there's both old ones from last parliament and some new ones that we expect to come. I think this is going to be the biggest fight of this parliament. And once again, we're in a minority parliament situation. So the liberals can't just get their way. They need at least one other party to support them in whatever they do. So there's three things to really watch for on this front. The first is Bill C-10, or what was known as Bill C-10 in the last parliament. That's the bill to look to regulate online platforms such as Netflix the same way that the CRTC regulates TV stations and radio stations. Mm -hmm. And so if that extends especially into social media posts, which is kind of an unclear point still, that was a huge fight in the last parliament, and I expect that'll be a big fight again. The second thing is online hate speech. They introduced a bill on that that kind of revives this very controversial human rights tribunal. The human rights code had a, a hate speech provision that seemed to be unconstitutional because it was a non-criminal remedy. And so if you were accused of hate speech in an online publication, you were brought into the human rights tribunal process. And it was just, it was a really big mess. It was repealed 10 years ago, but they're bringing it back in a way that they believe will be less controversial this time. A more narrow definition of what counts as hate speech we will see how that goes. That came in at the very end of the last parliament, and so it never got debated. I expect that'll be a big fight. Mm-hmm. And the third one, we don't exactly know what to expect, is something called the on- online harms legislation that will affect Facebook and large social media platforms. This is all going to come through at some point during this new parliament, and I think it's going to be something to really watch for. Do we know what kind of the online harms legislation is going to look at when you say it targets sites or providers like Facebook? Like, what does that mean? Are we talking about harmful images, you know, more hate speech related things, a requirement that they take down such content? What's the controversial bit of that legislation, do you think? When it comes to online harms, the government has laid out a potential of what this is going to look like because they held a consultation over the summer. And so This is the kind of thing that would require a social media site to remove illegal content within 24 hours. They would have to establish like a sort of digital regulator who would like, I'm pausing here because it's not totally clear how this is going to (laughs) work, Yeah, but it's basically, it would have Facebook, Twitter, other major internet platforms to have to remove content deemed to be illegal or to be harmful enough that it has to get taken down. You can just instinctively see how that could be a bit of a mess if it's not designed well. And even if it is designed well, as well as can be, it could still be a mess. And we have not seen the legislation on this yet, so we just don't know the details of what this is going to look like. But in the consultation that they put out over the summer, they got a lot of pushback and warnings on this from experts in digital regulation, internet regulation, saying, you guys need to be very, very careful in how you do this because there's all kinds of free speech considerations here. Mm -hmm. We see what kind of controversy social media sites get when they decide, I'm going to take this down, or we don't like this, or we've deemed this to be problematic. And it's one thing when a private company is doing it, but another when the government is telling a private company how to operate. So I imagine that's going to cause quite the debate among politicians as well as experts in the field. Yeah. And so, you know, what you'll see when this comes to parliament on all of these measures is 
it'll go through the House of Commons where the Liberals so far have gotten support from the NDP and the Bloc Quebecois generally to do this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's the Conservatives who really tend to oppose this. So you'll see a bit of debate there. But I think the place to really watch for where things could get messy is in the Senate because Justin Trudeau reformed the Senate so that it doesn't break down along partisan lines anymore. There's a lot of senators who will see these potentially constitutional problems with these bills and seek to amend them, possibly hold them up. I mean, that's what the Senate believes its role is, is to watch for constitutional problems. So I think the process of getting this stuff through Parliament could be a long one. There were a couple of pieces of legislation that died on the order paper when the election was called, chief among those, the conversion therapy ban. Will we see that and others return? in this next session of Parliament? Yes, the Liberals have promised to bring back the conversion therapy bill as one of their first orders of business. You know, the conversion therapy, so it bans coerced conversion therapy, first of all. It's not a total ban on conversion therapy. Mm -hmm. But the Conservatives had issues with this, worrying that it could infringe on religious freedom. And so the Conservatives did hold this bill up, at least some of their caucus that was concerned about this bill. The Liberals also didn't give this bill much of a priority early on. And that's a, that's a part of the reason why it died on the order paper on the election call is that it wasn't brought through Parliament fast enough. And in these minority parliaments, A, things take a long time because there's a lot more horse trading among the parties. But B, you know, you never know when the election call is going to happen. If you don't bring through something in the first few months, get it really moving along through Parliament, you're at serious risk of that bill dying. And so Mm -hmm. a big thing to watch here is what the liberals do in the first few months. Conversion therapy, we are told, will be one of these priorities. You mentioned earlier that the idea of a vaccine mandate, you know, travelers will have to provide some sort of proof that they've been vaccinated against COVID-19 before they can get on a plane, things like that. And one of the more surprisingly contentious issues from the election campaign was the vaccination status of our MPs, specifically conservative party candidates and MPs. As politicians are set to return to the House this fall, will that potentially become an issue again for Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole? It is definitely going to be an issue. And (laughs) it's not clear how Aaron O'Toole is going to handle this because, first of all, I believe all liberal NDP and Bloc MPs are vaccinated. Those parties said that all of their candidates during the election campaign were vaccinated. So that means all of their MPs are now vaccinated. A large majority of the Conservative caucus, from what I understand, is vaccinated. And mm-hmm. it's I don't know yet. I'm working to find this out. I don't know yet how many Conservative MPs are not. But there are some. And so this is a really tricky issue for Aaron O'Toole because he's made it clear he wants to see people vaccinated. He's pro-vaccine. A lot of people in his caucus feel the same way. But they've got enough people in their caucus and in their party who are, for whatever reason, hesitant to get vaccinated, and also staunchly opposed to vaccine mandates in principle. And so they feel that it's too divisive to reject that part of their party. They'll lose MPs and they'll lose a chunk of their voter base, a large chunk potentially. And so the House of Commons, I believe, will probably bring in a rule that MPs to be there in person have to be vaccinated. And from the experts I've talked to, such a rule is probably going to hold up under parliamentary rules. It's a rule that parliament's allowed to make. And I don't think unvaccinated MPs will have much recourse to fight it. And so 
I think that you're going to see a situation where some Conservative MPs are just not able to come to Parliament in person until one way or another the situation gets resolved. So we could see MPs who are not vaccinated opt to dial in remotely like they have been through the pandemic? Yes. And the Conservatives do not want a virtual parliament. They want an in-person parliament. That is their position. But because of the pandemic, we know that it is possible for MPs to take part virtually. That's what how much of the last parliament ran. And so MPs who are not vaccinated will still be able to take part, but they won't be able to come in person if House of Commons passes a vaccine mandate for MPs, which I think is very likely. Of course, this may even be a moot point because unvaccinated MPs won't be able to get on a plane once air travel vaccine mandates come in. Mm -hmm. And so for the vast majority of MPs, Ottawa is too far a drive practically to do regularly. And so they wouldn't even be able to fly to parliament anyway until they get vaccinated or if they have a exemption that's seen as legitimate, a medical exemption or something like that. With Aaron O'Toole, there was lots of talk after the election about whether he should stick around as leader. There's talk of a potential leadership review at some point and caucus kind of holding some of the cards when it comes to when that will happen. Does the vaccination issue factor into whether caucus may call one sooner or hurt him in terms of whether he can kind of be the heavy with caucus when it comes to getting vaccinated? Or is that a minor issue, part of a bigger problem for him? I think for now, Aaron O'Toole's job is safe for now. Mm -hmm. His caucus does have the right to hold a confidence vote on his leadership. They gave themselves that power in their first meeting after the election. Aaron O'Toole is for now safe in the leadership job, but it you know he's got to be careful not to rock the boat too much, I think, because there are still a lot of people in his caucus who are suspicious of him, are angry at how he's tried to shift the party's messaging since he became leader, taking it, they believe, too far towards the liberals. So he is not safe enough in his job that he can kind of run roughshod over his caucus. He has to be careful and respect the different factions in his party. And one of those issues is vaccine mandates. So it's not an easy position for him to be in, I don't think. And we will have to see how he navigates that. With a minority parliament, Justin Trudeau has the luxury, due to the number of seats he has, of potentially just needing one party or another to garner support for his plan, his policies. Do we get a sense that that we may see a similar arrangement as the last parliament, where it's hinging more on what the NDP wants or getting the NDP support? Or do you see a situation where he'll be kind of bouncing back and forth between the, the NDP and the bloc looking to support various measures? Yeah, I think there'll probably be some bouncing around. The Liberals have a minority, but it's a strong minority because they only need one of the Conservatives or the NDP or the Bloc to join them. I mean, unless the issue is really controversial, you can often get one of those parties to support you. It's a minority parliament, but um, if you're going to take the government down on an important matter, you're going to trigger an election, right? Anything that can be deemed a confidence measure. Mm -hmm. And so if you're the opposition parties, you don't want to go back into a campaign right away either. And so I think the liberals shouldn't have too much trouble getting most of their agenda through, at least, you know, introduced and on the route through parliament because they only need one party to support them. The NDP, as you say, are probably 
the most supportive of their agenda, but the bloc supports a lot of it too. So it's impossible to predict this stuff, but I would expect the Liberals will find a dance partner on most of their issues. Well, we'll be looking to see how that plays out once politicians return to the House, whenever that shapes up to be. Brian, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Brian Platt. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thank you.